Oh, don't fight with anything. Yeah, like that's going to work. Don't fight with anything. And so don't fight with anybody. Don't fight with anything. Whatever's arising in the mind stream, mind stream don't, don't argue, even though it's difficult, challenging. Just receive it. Just look at it. Just observe what that is. It will never show up the same way twice. That's why it's difficult to do this. It always seems like something else is happening. Something needs to be done. Something needs to be fixed. Something needs to be regulated or controlled. It's not that something doesn't need to be done, but what you might want to consider doing is seeing what it actually is rather than something to object to or go to war with. Or even if it is your someone in your family or someone on the television. Don't go to war. But notice what when something comes up that is challenging or irritating or triggers something in you that want that brings about, you could say fight or flight, but maybe a lot of fighting. You don't want to do that. You don't want, you don't like that. You want to stop it. You want to control it. You want to turn down the heat. But in order to fundamentally relate to anything that arises in the mind stream, you may have to just be at the mercy of that emotion. In other words, receive that. When I say be at the mercy of it, I'm not saying that it's going to take you out. Probably not. But it seems to be necessary to actually receive what the situation is. And uh, you could say an intuitive level of what that is rather than jump out of your intuition, out of your perception, out of your insight into some kind of concept, into the fourth skanda, into it's this, it must be that, that's happening, so this must be happening, drawing conclusions, drawing, drawing, figuring things out. That doesn't really work very well. We look around and see how that's working for the world. Extremely intelligent people, human beings are extremely intelligent, but. They're also very greedy. They want control, they want power, power. So what we're, what I'm talking about here is if you could say I'm promoting anything, a little bit, but I'm not promoting how you do it. You may do it the way I'm talking about, you may do it some other way, but train your mind. Train, train your awareness by seeing how untrained it is. By seeing the the divergence or something arises and we immediately go for it. Something else arises and we push on that. We might go for this and push on that and something else we might shut down or ignore because of it doesn't smell right or doesn't, it's not the right frequency. We have, we're very, very opinionated and, uh, and hold on to certain ideas about that. It's another idea about that. The actual situation is ignored because it's too threatening to the ego, to the self-centeredness. So rather than actually look at it, which could be threatening, if you looked at it, you might actually see there isn't anyone looking. You might actually see the, the so-called object because the so-called object is the subject. But you can't think your way into that, even if you are a great philosopher. You can't figure this out. 
that you can, it seems, seems possible. You can see what this is fundamentally yourself. You can see this. Seems to take quite a while to do that. And the way that each person does that or goes about that is really their own business, how they approach that. Unless you have a teacher, in which case you might want to see how it looks for them or see what they are seeing in terms of your particular dilemma or your the particularity of your grasping at self, grasping at others, or going to war, going to war. Sometimes the war that we have with ourselves and our neighbors and our sangha, for that matter, is more obvious. It's just an obvious finger pointing going at probably not, probably, probably no physical skirmishes, but sometimes it feels like it. It's so intense. And to when I say, don't go to war, I say, what was, that, what was the title of the talk? Don't fight with anything. Yeah, yeah don't go to war. <laughs> that was the original title, and somebody changed it. I thought it would be more interesting. I think I've already given a talk called Don't Go to War. You don't know? You're not keeping track of that for me. So the idea there is to is to see by considering that and looking at the the, the way we uh, relate to our our family, friends, partners, mates, husbands, wives, Dharma brothers and sisters, teacher for that matter. We see that tension, and the the recommendation in, in, there is to just look at, it, just observe it, not particularly take it on the chin or. I don't say receive anything. You don't have to just receive it, even though the the vow in the three pure precepts is to be with all things. And that being with all things, the path quality quality of that is to see how you can't do that. Can't really be with all things. Difficult. But you can just aspire to do that. This is called relative bodhicitta the mind of awakening, relatively speaking. Ultimate bodhicitta is expressed in the Atisha's seven, seven, is it seven points of mind training. And uh, be a child of illusion. In other words, be very simple, you could say even be somewhat innocent to the way you're when you're a fully grown adult, the way to be innocent is have a willingness to not know what's going on rather than always running in and clamping down. It's this, it's that, it should be, it shouldn't be. The mind wants to do that all the time, based mainly based on fear. But as I've said recently, uh, someone who is really fearful and terrified doesn't know it because they, they have it so covered up with blaming others or, or blaming themselves or blaming society or blaming politics or blaming, there's plenty of room out there to blame others.
Shoka. Shoka Bang, earlier you used the expression uh, something about heat, turn down the heat. When did I use that? I think near the beginning, you said we want to turn down the heat. That's a pretty good idea, isn't it? What is the, whenever something warlike arises, what's the heat that we want to turn down? Well, the one thing is we want to set everything on fire because we're so upset. We want to, uh, we want to not experience the fear. So we, we torch everything. We, we accuse, we blame. And when I say turn it down, first you have to see it. You have to see that it's out of control and then you can turn it down by not fueling it. And how do you, how do you not fuel it? What have you learned? How do you not fuel it? See the way that I fuel it. It's a good start. Just see the way that you keep grasping at a self who's right and rejecting someone else who's wrong or misinformed or doesn't see or isn't clear. Come to some kind of a conclusion or opinion. You can't really come to any conclusion that is accurate about anybody, especially oneself. You cannot see the dependent origination that brought you into the into these uh, six realms, into this human realm. You can't see what brought this about. All you can do really is see that here you are. And you're dealing, you or me or anyone else are dealing with our own particular mix of causes and conditions, hope and fear, success and failure, desire for this, fear of that. So it's about awareness, being aware of what is arising and falling away. And if you, if you, if you're aware of that, the temptation is is to get a conclusion as soon as possible, so you don't have to experience that kind of openness, that kind of feeling of being threatened, being not protected. Shogun, you also said something about. Uh, Look at the object that that shows you that there isn't a subject. I can't recall quite what it was. So when when there's that, um, yes, I guess difficulty of not knowing. How does that show us that there is no self? If you just watch what start with your mind stream, and then eventually it needs to be everything, everywhere, all the time, through all the six sense fields, including the mind. But we start out by training them on sit down, hold still, watch the movement. And if you add or subtract, then just watch that movement. But less is better. Keep it fairly simple, radical, and minimal. But don't do too much with it. Especially don't push it away or stop it from happening or abandon it for what caused it. Even though there's a relative cause. That doesn't work. You all you do is to find that, and then you try to stop that from happening. The, the intense belief in uh, other in in uh, duality. But if you just watch watch what moves coming and going, eventually you see that there is no observer. It's not a conclusion. You won't necessarily think, "Oh, there's no observer," because there isn't any observer. So you won't realize you've even realized anything. You think you've realized something? This is just more duality.
Other questions? So what I'm saying here is uh, what I'm encouraging you to do is to, on the cushion, just, just receive. Whatever's showing up, just receive it. This doesn't mean you get to congratulate yourself. You just it shows up, you're just looking at it. You're just smelling, tasting, hearing, seeing, thinking, whatever thoughts arise, don't accept, don't reject, don't look away. Don't particularly try to stop thinking. Just but watch the thoughts that come. Sometimes they're overwhelming. Sometimes it's a big flood and sometimes they back way off and there isn't much happening. And there seems to be a lot of spaciousness around that. And then for no apparent uh, cause, there's a cause, but no apparent cause, it starts to come back again. And it's so seductive to think that if you can watch something, this cause, that cause, that, it's so seductive to think that you can actually do something about it. And it's not that you can't somewhat, somewhat, but it's not enough to uh, serve you for the rest of your days in this uh, embodied realm. And we have to see what it is fundamentally so that we, 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 uh, we don't leave this uh, situation for something else, but we see what it fundamentally is, not separate. And it's a, it's a, you could say it's just a tacit understanding. It's just a very simple, just understand it. There's no congratulations. There's no elaboration. There's no, wow, I never saw this before. That's more like Kensho, uh, the, the insight into your true nature that goes away. It fades. Anything you see that looks like something, it's going to fade because it is in the same chemical makeup, you could say, as, as a, uh, every other relative truth where something shows up, it goes away. Realization does not show up. If you were to talk about it, if I were to talk about it in any way, you would say that you just stop covering it up. You stop covering up your Buddha nature. Yes, sir. Shoto bowing. If, if that's so simple realization, how, how did the lineage last so long and end up with images of golden Buddhas? Be more specific. What do you want to know? I don't want to get into a conversation with you about it. What do you want to know? What does the one who hasn't seen what this is, um, why does that look special to us? Because it is. That's why we have this kind of, that's why any, any uh, spiritual path, religious, however you want to say it, there's some kind of, we need to magnetize uh, that in some way so that we can even look at it so we can even reflect on it we have this image we're talking about the image of the buddha it's just uh it's just an image of a human being sitting down holding their hands in a particular mudra or position and training their mind just it's like a reminder it's not really something we're worshiping. When you bow to the Buddha, you're bowing to your own enlightened nature. You're not bowing to a chunk of wood that the gold leaf on. That needs to be there so we have some kind of reference. Just like we have a, a cushion, we have a wall, we have a drum, we have sutras that go way back centuries and centuries to the beginning of this particular 
teaching 2,500 years. They're just reminders to help us. It was some kind of a backbone to the, the whole situation. Pardon me. Any other questions here? In Any questions on uh, Zoom out in the dis distance? Jason, Jason. If there is nothing to be realized, how are you able to sit there and, and let us know that there's nothing that can be realized? Just a way of teaching. It's, it's very difficult to point anything out if there's no otherness happening. So I, I sometimes say I, I learned a lot. I studied a lot, but I don't teach out of what I learned. That doesn't mean you shouldn't keep studying. You should. But uh, I teach or present the Buddha Dharma out of what I see. I'm, I'm looking right at it all the time. I'm looking at it when I see you, when I see Unyo or Shoto or anyone in the Zendo or anyone on the screen. If you say anything to me, we talk about anything. So are, is there a difference between what you see and what you know? You mean for me or for you? Actually, I would like to know from your perspective. I meant generally, but I'm actually curious for you. I don't know. You have another question? Uh, is there a, a difference between seeing and knowing? So seeing is receiving and uh, knowing can be receiving also, but quite often it's confused with information, plus and minus up and non right and wrong and all of the other shenanigans that are going on in the mind stream to protect us from, from the ultimate truth, which is there isn't anyone. There, is no, there are no separate beings anywhere. Okay. Don't have any other questions right now. Thank you. <laughs> I thought I was in for it there for a minute, Jason. Further questions? Other than from Jason, anybody else? Jason's already relented. Bunyo. So the title is Don't Fight With Anything. Yes. Is there some equilibrium that we are attempting to? arrive at? Um, yeah, I think when I say don't fight with anything, I know, and you've heard me say this probably hundreds of times, I know you can't always help but be upset with something or be, you know, lock and load and want to stop something or fight with something that you don't like and you don't want it. And it might be out here in the world or it might be in your own mind stream, something you're fighting with. You don't want to feel that. You don't want to have those kind of thoughts. They're not, that situation is not that dissimilar. You know, one is in an apparent interior and the other one is an apparent exterior. So the way, uh, the way that I'm uh, endeavoring to um, present that when I say don't fight, and I know you can't really stop that completely. But if I say don't do that, then, then if you're a student of mine or if you're listening to what I have to say and giving me the benefit of the doubt, which isn't exactly a student, 
that you're listening, then you would consider that you would you might be more aware of when you go to fight, and you might notice that you that you can't really find an off switch there. But the awareness, if you're endeavoring to not do that, then it's a natural kind of discipline or a natural kind of observing forms rather than than some kind of a setup where you're going to make yourself never be angry anymore or some something that is is a more more along the lines of what the ego would like to accomplish. You've trained yourself. Now you're very disciplined. You never have any any negative feelings anymore because you condition reconditioned yourself not to have those feelings or you're trying to live up to a particular ideal. It's not that you couldn't do that to some extent, but it, those kinds of things don't last. What does last? What lasts? So what lasts is some is a, what is a unborn. If something is born, something comes into existence, it's compounded and it's coming apart right now or 100 years from now, but it's coming apart. Here we are. But if you find out what this is, and there's no guarantee, there's no promise because uh, it, it, it actually denies what's being said. You don't need it. It's not merchandising. It's not transactional in, in that sense. It's just true. And if you see it, it's it's the truth. And that is not with some kind of polarity. So true and false. Even the even that which is relative truth is also true. Didn't you? Didn't you rally? If we stop fighting with everything, will there be a sense of relief? Probably. You mean like relatively uh, stop fighting with anything? You mean if you stop stop if you stop getting upset with everything? You mean that? Probably some there'll be some of that as a relative thing. So there's you could say there's there's really no fundamental progress on the path, but there are aspects to it that if you're practicing sitting meditation, you're probably less likely to generate a lot of ideas, concepts, beliefs, opinions, and aggression towards others. But there's no guarantee there either, because each person's causes and conditions, your life, your karma, what you came into this life with, your particular, you could say, temperament, uh, can't be pushed down to live up to some kind of ideal of what an enlightened being would be like. There, there is no, there is no uh, standard for an enlightened being. They, they might act in any number of ways. It seems like the fighting takes a lot of energy. It does. How do we, can we use that energy in another way? Redirect it somehow? Yes, you can, you can, I don't know if you can do it like I'm going to do that kind of thing, but hold still, watch what moves in the mind stream, train your mind by sharpening your, that, that aspect of the consciousness that, that sees, that sees the structure, sees dependent origination uh, in, in depth, sees the way the mind works, the way the five skandhas link arms so that form, feeling, perception, concept, consciousness, struggle, pull each other together to be someone who's doing well, someone who's not doing so well, someone who's getting ahead, someone's falling behind, someone, 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 someone. 
So that the, the, the structure of it needs to be seen personally, not just reading the five skandhas and reading what any number of teachers have described, but actually seeing it so that it's like you're seeing something you've never seen before. It's like you're seeing something that you see the description of the five stick skandhas that fits, but there's something about your seeing it that is so um, uh, personal. It's like you're discovering something that no one ever told you about. The fighting itself seems to use up most of my energy. Yeah. How can I, where does the energy come from to look at that? It's the same energy. Energy is just energy. I sound like, how can I take my anger or my irritation or my aggravation about whatever's happening and convert that into, you know, being, saving all beings or being with all things or what was that other one, pure appearance? How can I, how can you do that? You don't really have to do anything with it. You have to just see what it is. Just see, see, see that it's a cover-up. Actually covering up your Buddha nature. Your enlightened, your, your enlightened um, perception, understanding. The ego mind can't, there's no oxygen there for the ego because it, because it, uh, because uh, uh, enlightenment feeds on everything. Uh, ego can only feel on, uh, feed on what helps it survive and what, and, and fight with what keeps it, with what threatens it. But wisdom is, uh, not concerned about maintaining anything. Can't be destroyed because it doesn't have any compounded. There's nothing compounded there. It's just the truth. And it's, if you're listening to me, you, I'm telling you, I'm saying to you, this is available to you. And it's, uh, it's a quarter of an inch away. It's the Buddha in the palm of your hand. It's the jewel in the rubbish heap of the classical ways that teachers in the past have said, it's right here in front of you. You're looking at it. You're turning away from your Buddha nature. So you're coming back to your question. The Buddha, uh, it, it is in the aggression. So just as I have sometimes said, be the negativity you're trying to get rid of, at least for 30 seconds. At least so you can actually see that, see what that is, what that structure is. Why that is so difficult is that that anger or that rage or whatever it may be is... Uh, threatening to ego. For one thing, ego doesn't want to have that. And if you just have it, uh, it might it might prove that the ego is a, uh, an angry person. Which would be such a bad thing to see. Choka. How do we eat our negativity? Did I say that? I know you said it, but did I say it? Um, I eat, you talk about eating, and I talk about negativity. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't eaten it for a few days. So I'm really interested in that word. <laughs> There's a, <clears throat> a teaching that uh, has a similar kind of tone to it, to feed your demons, feed the demons, rather than, rather than fight with everything, just feed them. That's another way of saying, just be the negativity. 
No, no more war. No more war. If it, if it takes you out, so what? There isn't anyone here anyway. You have to be careful in that area because uh, uh, ego, self-centeredness, the assumption of a self will convert anything that shows up as any kind of strategy that you're using to its own ends to keep supporting that. The ego who has finally overcome the negativity, the ego who is no longer swayed by this or that and is no longer um, threatened by anything. A question from Thomas. Thomas. Do most of your students you've had strive to teach or just make sense of their problems? Say that again. Do most of my students... Do most of the students you've had strive to teach or just make sense of their problems? I don't go. What do you guys think? The, which one of user? Which one of you guys are making sense of your problems? <laughs> I want to single you out. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. To your your question is a very good question. Um, uh, my if someone is a student of mine, I say don't teach. Don't teach unless you have to, or unless I tell you to. It's that simple. And why do I do that? Because I can. Uh, you, there's there's no point in being a student if you're just out doing whatever you want to do. So, yes. A question from Daniel. Daniel Staffler? No. Oh, another Daniel. Daniel who? Uh oh. Sensei, do you ever find yourself the target of ill will for being a practitioner of, of Japanese persuasion? If so, how do you respond? I say, Moishido. Uh, It's Japanese. <laughs> Just in case you thought it was Mandarin. So they say it again. Moichido. I don't. I don't really find, have any. Not had that kind of a difficulty. But even kind of trace what it is the question is about. I'll read it again. Maybe I missed something. Sensei, do you ever find yourself the target of ill will for being a practitioner of Japanese persuasion? So, how do you respond? Hmm. Well, I'm not Japanese. I know I sometimes look like it to people, but I'm actually Scotch and Irish. What is that? Other? You don't remember? That's the main. Huh? That's the main area. That's the main area. So, I'm not sure what the question is, but. Uh, Am I missing something? Does anybody understand what's being asked? Yes. Does it maybe have anything to do with the current uh, distress that our Asian Americans are oh, um, yeah. feeling? Maybe just. Uh, I don't know. I'm about that. It's possible. I really don't have any difficulty. So I'm not saying there isn't some, or yeah, but. But when you were in Japan many years ago, didn't you yeah. have an encounter with? <laughs> yeah, I did. I had a few encounters there. Japan with people who did not like me. It's kind of a reverse question. It was, yeah. Being, being not, you know, someone hit me for no reason, just walking down the street. 
another person, you know, it was just pretty disrespectful in some ways. But this cultural stuff is everywhere. You know, you can't can't just go out on the street without having something uh, untoward happen. Yes. A question from Eric. Which Eric? None that we know. <laughs> okay. Is it possible to study and train in Zen with your temple long distance or online? How does one become a formal student from a distance? Uh, just inquire. Come on and inquire. Yeah, it's possible. I have people that are students that are I've never met, especially during COVID season. Or long distance. I may meet them someday, but maybe not in the near future. So it's possible. Just inquire right to the website and start out with the Chazon. You'll be the one. Her husband. Sensu's husband. Ask for Sensu's husband. <laughs> <laughs> You'll know who he is. He's right there grinning. So he does recognize his reference points. Further questions? Kevin Bowing. It's Kevin. This is slightly adjacent to two questions ago. Um, but I wonder, you know, there's a lot of sensitivity now about cultural appropriation. And I wonder how how we work with people who see us or, you know, those of us who are primarily white uh, following forms that come from another culture, dressing in outfits that come from another culture, uh, when, when there's aggression coming toward us about the seeming appropriation of other cultures, how do we work with that bowing? I, I don't know how to particularly address it other than uh, don't go to war with anything. And you don't have to justify or validate it, but it's just uh, we need some kind of forms that help us. This is a 2,500-year-old tradition. We're not particularly dressing in uh, the robes of Brahmins. Uh, we're not particularly copying certain things, although some of it, this is a uh, this is actually a, <clears throat> a, a Chinese robe because uh, it's a, a Koromo, but it was used in Japan uh, many, many centuries ago because uh, Dogen Zenji, who was the, the founder of the Soto lineage of Japan, went to China, another country, and met his teacher, uh, Jing, and came back and founded the Soto lineage. And so then, before then, Bodhidharma came from India. And, you know, there's all kinds of stories where people are doing the best they can and kind of cross-cultural kind of things and tend to work really well in some ways and other ways not so well. Um, not, if you have some specific questions, I might be able to address those. We've had people come, uh, pardon me for continuing to talk after I said that but i remember a woman who came here from japan who came we enjoyed having her come um didn't talk to her too much but she years ago came and she i talked to her once and she said that her husband uh studied uh dogen dogen's read the shobogenzo and the the, the other uh, record that dogen left and uh, i said well have him come in i'd love to talk to him she said no i don't think he's gonna 
do that. So it's his his understanding of what was happening here is probably, you know, this is this is not real. Uh, so to Zen Buddhism, this is a bunch of white people, <laughs> or whatever. So I, I don't know, but you know that's that gets very mixed up, and uh, I think it's best to not do too much with it. If somebody wants to ask questions about it, I'll try to respond. But we can't really get rid of our. You get rid of everything, like a few teachers in the past, in the past 30, 40 years, have tried to just get rid of everything and take the Buddha off the altar and put a rock up there, you know, and trying to de dehumanize or depersonalize the whole thing. And I, um, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just not going to do that. It needs some kind of reference point. That's what this is about here. Just like we chant the sutras in another language and in you know, some, some in English and some in in Japanese, some of it is in Sanskrit. Further questions, Kevin? About that? Not, not specifically. I just am just noticing my own kind of defensiveness that comes up in the midst of these conversations. You know, when there's like a lot of a lot of it going on particularly i mean all over in social media but in new york in particular there's like a kind of hyper vigilance about uh not offending uh people who have been culturally oppressed by by white people historically and so uh, i i i'm it's just kind of coming up for me i don't know how to articulate it more about how to yeah, I mean, I guess you said it, uh, not having to explain my own personal experience with wisdom that ostensibly comes from another culture, but is also not separate, bowing. You know, it's, uh, you don't have to be born in India. You don't have to be born in China or Japan or Korea. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a living a wisdom tradition, and it even though it's in different language, it translates uh, into, into English or into French or German. It seems to, because it's fundamentally, fundamentally, it is the truth. Kevin Bowing, uh, in the past, you've referenced your own particular resistance to uh, wearing the, the, uh, the garb yeah uh, could you talk a little bit about what that resistance was and what it means to you to uh manifest in this way bowing yeah i can it felt pretentious when i first received a, a dharma name uh, the first one i received was from Ch chogyam kungpa my first teacher my root guru to use this specific name that I would refer to him as, um, my refuge vow, my refuge name. I, I was kind of embarrassed by it. I have a name that is a, it was a Nyingje Chochar, which means Dharma reign of compassion. So I felt really good about that, but also I felt kind of like, I'm not a, I'm not a Dharma reign of compassion. Why do I get that name? Why is he giving me that name? It was kind of embarrassing to me. And then so over time, I noticed that people didn't really use their names. 
Uh, that's something that I encourage. I think it's important. Maybe it wasn't appropriate then, but I think now you're given a Dharma name, you should use it. If I have it, then I gotta use it. It's not just uh, something you can uh, get a little certificate that says your name on it, you throw it in a drawer and you know, put your socks on top of it. So it's, uh, it's important to be respectful of this situation that we're in. But it, it took me a while. It took me over 35 years to get off my high horse about being a person who was not going to be pretentious and, and return to the, the vow. And the vow takes care of everything. The vow, if, the, if you understand this vow, the vow to be with all things, the vow to save all beings, there's, only, there's anyone who's important except others. Others are important. You're no longer important. This doesn't mean you don't eat or sleep or go to the doctor. But the fundamental intention is to be with all things. And that can show up in ways that are, will uh, totally uh, shock you. We don't want to be somebody that doesn't look good or doesn't, doesn't speak the appropriate dharma. Or what if somebody... I think one time years ago, I got a couple of sutras mixed up. I don't remember that. I, I, a couple of a, something lineage happened, and there was a person here who was a student of, uh, was it uh, um, Bardo Toku? I won't mention the gentleman's name, but he got kind of upset because I'd gotten confused. And I remember thinking, well, you know, you know makes their Tibetan words and things. You know, I got two things crossed over. And, and um, he, he really was pretty upset with me about that. I remember that. He was just like, you know, I didn't say it, but it's like, you're a Dharma teacher and you don't know the difference between uh, this situation and that situation. So um, I don't have anything to say about it other than it's not about information. It is not about uh, relative knowledge, even though it's very important. We need the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, the Twelve Links in the Chain of Existence, the Six Realms, the Three Realms, all of the different structures, conceptual structures that point to the nature, not only of the human being and the human mind, but of samsara and nirvana, or this crazy mixed up situation and liberation. Those are not two different things. You know, figure that one out. You can't explain that. And there are people who will talk about it and take you into a, to a, uh, a labyrinth, a complete forest of concepts where memory is very important. You have to keep your, what is it, P's and Q's? I'm not particularly good at that. But I can say one thing. I see what this is, and I intend to talk about it as long as I have somebody listening. People that, that doesn't resonate, then I won't be a teacher because I don't have any advertisements. I don't have any promises, no claims of anything. You ask me a question, I'll respond. If that seems to resonate or make sense to you, then possibly uh, we have a connection. Otherwise, so going back to what Kevin was asking about, it took me a while to get over myself. And I, I, I couldn't, uh, Rinpoche tried to help me and did the best he could, but it took meeting someone like Kobuchina Roshi to actually show me the, the way in which I was full of myself. And even then it took years to working with that and trying to ignore it, not, not wanting to see that I was full of myself, wanting to be a, a person. I mean, after all, I've been studying the Dharma and practicing, doing all kinds of extensive practices for years and years. 
long retreats, and yet still no realization, still just ideas about knowing about stuff. So what happened? Nothing happened. You might say it the other way around. Everything stopped happening. That might be more accurate. Everything stopped happening. I'm not saying I'm having this uh, esoteric experience of no, no time, no space, you know, no, no tortillas, no Mexican sweet bread. No, what is it? It's Mexican sweet rolls. You can't find two things that are separate. If you do, you're going to spin. Simply put. How do I know? I don't know. There is no, there's no knower. You're not going to know what this is. That's what I was dealing with years ago, trying to know this. I didn't see that. There wasn't any way you could know this and still persist as an individual being that is caught on the hook of desire or passion, aggression, ignorance. A question from Lyd, L-Y-D. Is that like short for Lydia? Or Lydacious? Pardon. Well, I put my nose. Go ahead. You have said in the past that it is not necessary to hook up our vocal cords. Should we be careful about hooking up our vocal cords when we have positive or nice emotions within us? So again, rather than find, uh, right or wrong or should or shouldn't, I would just say, just be aware of it. If you're, if you're aware and you're, you're basically making friends with yourself, with your own negativity, you're probably not going to be too, uh, give other people uh, too difficult a time and will be respectful and appreciated, appreciative of them. But if you're struggling below the surface, down in the, in the deep area, and you, you, you don't want any light getting down there because you're too busy going to war with yourself. And that stuff, that situation is going to probably be bubble up onto other people before you even know it. You've already bitten somebody's head off, as they say. But the, uh, I, I wouldn't be too concerned about being complimentary or being kind to people. If you feel uh, kind, you could say that. But just the important thing there is to look at the intention. Why am I doing this? If there's no why, then you're probably in good shape. There's some kind of a reason, then. Uh, hmm. Might want to look deeper in that. You didn't ask that question, did you? Somebody else did. You look like the person who asked it. Are you, are they kind of like a ventriloquizing you? Quasing, quasing? Okay. Further questions? Kuhn. How do we respect the culture of this sangha? Um, of this what? Sangha. So what what is it you want to know? I, I heard the question, but what is it you're looking? What's the information or what's the, what is it that's perplexing to you? Or how do we respect? Because it looks to me like you're doing that. You need a credential. How do we know if we're respecting the Sangha 
and the culture that's been appropriated. Kind of a complicated area there, and that would be different for different people, but less is better. Just receive what's happening. Just notice that the forms are to be observed and not followed. It's not a masculine situation as it was a few hundred years ago or centuries ago. It's, it's much softer. We don't, we don't need to order anybody around or control anyone. So we want to use the forms to support our awareness practice, but not use the forms to get control of people, uh, have people do as they're told or obey orders or obey the precepts. Like if somebody were to come up to you and say, well, you're breaking the precept, then you know that you have my permission to smack them. On. But you think that was breaking? This is really breaking the precept. Uh, that was a joke. Don't, don't hit anybody. But I'm just saying that anytime you're, anytime somebody's taking your inventory, you're taking somebody else's inventory. That's disrespectful to do that. So that would be one way that would show up. But just observe when you. When you see somebody in the zendo who doesn't be seem to be sitting with the right kind of posture, mind your own business. It's not you don't have that body. You see someone uh, that seems to be uh, somehow not doing following the the forms the way you think that they're told or they're instructed or they're whatever. Mind your own business, as they say. Common phrase: keep keep your own counsel. Is that helpful? Okay. Did you? A question from Hassan. Hassan. Dear Sokazan, should we ever preach the Dharma to somebody who is suffering because of their ignorance? Or should we just be compassionate and let things as they are? So those kind of an either or question. Okay. So first of all, never. Never discuss the, the, the Dharma particularly, unless you're asked. People will know that you're a student of the Dharma or meditate. Then you can respond. But other than that, don't, don't promote anything. People generally aren't ready to, they'll let you know if they want to hear about it. And, the, and then only respond to what they ask. Don't keep chatting about it. And yes, as far as what you said, compassion or being... Yeah. Best, one of the best things you can do for anyone is listen to them, ask them how they're doing. Just be with them, whatever's happening. You don't have to be a Buddhist or be a Bodhisattva necessarily. Another question? Yes. From JD. What does it feel like to not fight with anything? Um, lonely that's the practice part of it the fruition part of it is there isn't anyone who's alone but, but the practice but doing that can feel because you're retracting your your the energy that normally goes out towards others to stop this start this disagree with this so you're kind of kind of isolating yourself, sometimes called social distance. No?
Shorobami. Is that retracting done just by observing the way that we push? So, so you don't just observe what, the way you're pushing, observe the way you're, what's happening around the intention, uh, observe that. And that seems to be, excuse me, over time, that seems to be enough that because of, because of the vow, especially in your situation, you're a fully ordained monk, you're practicing here and the practice is not uh, particularly light. Just uh, watch what comes and goes, watch what comes and goes. Watch your intention around things rather than trying to, to control or stop things. Different understanding of discipline than the conventional idea of discipline where we make ourselves uh, live up to a standard. Shoto bowing. If we're watching that pushing and relatively we could pull back a little bit, yeah. should we? Yeah. Yeah, if there's no if there's no struggle and you notice you're just stepping back sometimes, what I was saying earlier, step back a quarter of an inch. Just a way of talking about it. You're just, it's not a physical thing you're doing, but kind of uh, mentally, emotionally, or intellectually, you're just going to back off just a slight bit. You're not going to leave this the, the situation, not, someone else might not even know anything had changed with you. You just uh, you just move back a little bit. You're no longer pr particularly producing ideas and talk, uh, language and words about something. You just step back a little bit and you're on receive. You're listening to what is what people are working with. It's an it's a quite amazing what you can understand about people if you just listen to them. Yes. Shokobai, if there's any defensiveness arising around anything, should we lose? Fundamentally, yes, but it's it's situational. You might want to just watch that before you, you hop on board with kind of the intention to just lose. So you might want to stay with, when I say stay with, just, just watch what that is before you change into a loser someone who's losing the war. Mm -hmm. So what is fundamentally losing? There's no loser. No one loses. Can't lose. But the practice may be to lose because we're so bound up with me and my stuff, my ideas, what I'm doing, what I shouldn't be doing, what I should have done, what I could do. People would just let me if I hadn't been raised this way, if I hadn't been treated this, if this hadn't happened, if I hadn't lost my job, if, 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 all the structures that we buy into, and then some of them are, you can't deny them. Some of them are so incredibly intense that they are real. Just someone really close to you passing away. Extremely difficult. How can we practice without reinforcing? Just watch the reinforcement. You can't dependent origination. You can't particularly particularly help having kind of a knee-jerk reinforcement of things. But if you're just aware of that, you no longer no longer have a motivation to be a special person who is not bothered by anything. You're actually willing. You, this is not negativity and it's not nihilism, but you're willing to suffer. You're willing to be what the Buddha pointed out. You're willing to be that difficulty. It's not 
It's not uh, nihilism, nor is it uh, sadism or any of that. It's just you're willing to be that. You don't need to get over that or be somebody better or, or be the person that always loses. When I say lose the war, you've heard me say it a hundred times. I know you can't do that. But if I say lose the war, then that, you actually look at the war and you see that there's no way you can lose that war because it's dependently arisen. But what you will do by working with that, you, you will begin to look closer to the imputed self that you're able to ignore because you're trying to win the war or you're trying to lose the war or you're trying to, trying to, trying to. But if I say lose the war or you say it to yourself, you notice there's someone there. You get a little bit. It's not just a shadow. You're starting to see the sharp outlines of that self that you think is real and you think is put upon and you think is a fate is uh, is uh, is getting something that they deserve taken away is jealous or all of the other passion aggression ignorance that shows up. It's not that that doesn't happen relatively and interdependently and dependently, but there's no one. There's no the witnessing is. Uh, is the very nature of consciousness and uh, without any kind of identity. Doesn't, consciousness doesn't belong to anyone. It just looks like it. When someone's born, and suddenly, you know, they get, um, you know, it depends on what they ordered before they got here. You hear that joke of, you know, when we were handing out the brains, which line were you standing in? <laughs> Another question from JD. JD. Do we need to label or define anything? Is loneliness what happens when we stop defining? Then it's if you can if you can do that. And I don't know if you can do that unless there's a strong sitting practice, very strong. Not not a few hours a week, but really strong so that you're so that the awareness of what is coming towards you. Uh, is as strong or stronger, just to speak about it very relatively, than the thought processes, which is continually producing all kinds of barriers and opinions, ideas, judgments about yourself, about others, about the world, and it makes a, a strong uh, materialistic outlook to everything. So there, the, the whole idea of the whole labeling thing is, is a way that protects us. So there are some practices uh, <clears throat> supposed to be mindfulness practices where you just, whatever is happening, you say uh, eating, 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 breathing, 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 chewing, chewing, chewing. There's supposed to be some kind of training to get your mind to focus on objects. I'm not against focusing on objects, but I think they should be your natural mind stream that is what your object of meditation should be. And this is a, where the whole teaching of Shikantaza comes from. It's just, just watch what moves. Uh, another question from Hassan. Hassan. Dear Sokazam, sometimes I note frustration arise in me when I see the growing secular secularization of Buddhism. Mindfulness movement seems to have taken Zen and tried to remove all reference to the Buddha. It's a question. No question. Yeah, you can see that, but you know, things are going to come and go. Just train your mind rather than being 
destroyed by what's happening in the world. The world is crazy and it's going to come apart and it'll get put back together and then it'll come apart. It's just like uh, many years ago, the those huge sandstone sculptures of the Buddha that were like, what, 80, 90 feet high. And the, the, what religion was it blew those up? I can't think of it, which one it was. Actually, I can, but I'm not going to mention the name of it. But blew those, and they were... Uh, you notice that they were, uh, not that we weren't sad about it, but there was no big accusing anybody of anything. <laughs> they blew them up because they're confused. They blow them up uh, with some kind of warfare against Buddhism or something. They were confused. It's too bad because they were beautiful. They were creations. So I wouldn't do too much. I wouldn't do too much with it. Just uh you know, you're going to find every kind of thing happening in the world, especially with all the internet stuff and the, the information stuff going back and forth. Is, it's just a ton overload all the time. I would say find a wall, look at it. Don't stare. That's not, I'm not teaching that. I'm saying sit down and look at it kind of casually. The only thing that's not casual is holding your body still. That should be definite, but it doesn't have to last very long. It can last for five minutes, 10 minutes. And then return to stillness, return to stillness after you stretch or whatever. And watch what moves. So you see what the mind stream moving, coming, going, coming, going. And that, it's not that what comes and goes is going to be so important. It probably won't be. It'll be kind of maybe boring or mildly interesting. But what happens is the, the awareness that is not no longer has, a, has an agenda uh, slowly uh, gets uh, comes into a to say it relatively into a position where anything is welcome because you're, you're no longer selecting something to try to be mindful of or, so. and people who uh, John Kabat-Zinn or any other uh, Han can come along and take exception to what I'm saying and what would I say do, do, do it that way do it that way go study under them I'm coming out of what I see, not what I know or believe. I don't believe much. But a question from Ken in New York. Yes. I heard you say ego doesn't like this. I hate this. How do I keep going when you say keep going? Just well, I don't know. Um, you're here. You're asking a question, and I'm going to tell you. You're you know it's coming. Just keep going. Don't don't be don't be hoodwinked by your ego. Don't be tricked by that. Just do it anyway. Find a form, sit down, hold still, watch the movement. You might want to light some incense. You might not. There's nothing required as far as I'm concerned. What is required? Hold still so that you can see the movement of the mind so that, that the consciousness aspect of the human uh, sensorium and consciousness so that that gets stronger and, and, uh, and the, the releases its grip or the seventh consciousness of Yogacara tradition releases its grip on, on, the, on the consciousness and allows the thoughts to flow without having thoughts of success, failure, good and bad. Thoughts are totally harmless. You don't have to control thoughts. So do it anyway. I don't know if it can be done without a strong connection with the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. I had that for still have it for since I first met the Vijayara in uh, 1973, I think it was. Buddha, Dharma, teacher, 
teaching and community. And the hardest one to deal with, well, the hardest one to deal with is the teacher, but you don't have to spend much time with him because he's got a lot of other things to do. That's the difficult one. The teaching's pretty hard, but you can kind of get help, study it. <clears throat> but the sangha is impossible. And, but just do it anyway. Do it anyway. Some people in the sangha are absolute angels. Other people in the, uh, in the sangha are absolute devils. Not absolute, but relative. You know, just but people are suffering. We want to help everybody. We should help everybody. Be available for everyone. A question from Jethro in the UK. Jethro. Is there such a thing as the right time and place or the wrong time and place for something? In so many areas of life, it can feel like it was or wasn't meant to be. Yeah. Yeah, I can follow that. Uh, I, I think that to go to right and wrong and good and bad and uh, as far as timing or as far as place or anything, just to, it's not that there isn't a relative good time or a relative good place. Sure there is, but, but to spend a lot of time moving, uh, uh, what, is the, what is the phrase or the image of moving the, the deck chairs on the Titanic? You know, you might get them in a good place, but you know, the sun's going down and you're going with it. So I would say train your mind so you can find out your particular karma. It was Jethro, right? Yeah, your particular karma is just whatever whatever shows up in your path. You, you, I don't mean it as a as a uh, a reward or a punishment, but you've got it coming. Why? It's dependently arisen. There's no self in the skandhas. Even though you're listening to a voice, there's no one behind this. I'm not saying I don't have feelings or emotions or thoughts about this and that that come and go, but there's no I, there's no particular uh, identity. That being said, if there is an identity, it's also dependently arisen. So sometimes the I sometimes say the clown on the roof comes down off the roof, takes off his red nose, and comes inside and and sits right down and say, "I'm just as important as you are." And what do I do? Okay, I don't mind. I don't mind having having ego come and go. It's unreal. What is real? Find out. I wouldn't want you to. If I told you, I wouldn't want you to believe me. I want you to find out. You need to find out. You need to do what the Buddha did if you're interested in this path. What did he do? He, he discovered the nature of the mind and he began to teach as soon as the two or three people asking asked him a, a few questions. And it just expanded. I'm sure he was quite shocked by the whole thing. They have thousands of 13-year-old kids being sent there by their parents. Go study under the Buddha. Poor Buddha. <laughs> or Lucky Buddha. I think that's the name of a restaurant in San Francisco, Lucky Buddha. I'm sure it is. I can see the neon sign in my mind's eye right now. Is that my ego looking at that? Doesn't matter. Ego's unreal. You don't have to get rid of anything. See what it is. Liberate yourself. Jindo, I see that picture of you. You look like you're about 10 years old. Are we, are we done? She says we're done. Where this penetrates from all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. Oh, uh -huh.
the ten directions of three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna Paramita. Directions in the three times, please hear us. Hasten down out of the light and protect Sokokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, its buildings, gardens, and all adjoining areas from any and all dark or negative energy. Move and dissolve any negative energy or devices. Fill everything and everyone with light. Please shield and protect with light our teachers, monks, students, and all practitioners of the Dharma, our families and friends from negative forces and energy from now on. Help us to realize the truth of the Buddha's teachings. If you value the teachings of Sokozan and you would like to support his teaching work and the functions of Sokukoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, which also supports monk and practice residents, please consider giving a donation by visiting our website at sokukoji.org.